Jason. The Bears had their fateful end-of-season press conference, and Matt Eberflus was there. We will talk about that and more coming up on Hallis Intrigue. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Jason, as you and I sit here, it's a Wednesday. It's early evening. And we just heard the Bears explain why they kept Matt Eberflus as their head coach, why they got rid of Luke Getze as their offensive coordinator, and why they believe things are going the right way. Uh, Let's take that in order. uh, But before then, what do you think of the presentation? It did not include... George McCaskey for the first time in recent memory, and I think it might have been better for it. I think so. There's been a lot of flubs. There's been a lot of real questionable explanations. Uh, there, there has not been in a lot of the George McCaskey end-of-season press conferences just uh, conveying to everyone that I've got this under control. Right. Don't worry. We've got this. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually is the opposite. Usually you come out of their feeling, even when they're doing what you think they should do, mm-hmm. firing Matt Nagy, for example, and Ryan Pace, you don't come out of there more confident that they'll get it right on the next one. So uh, that's why you hire Kevin Warren in part. Mm-hmm. You hire Kevin Warren to run the team. You get to just own it mm-hmm. from afar. I think we'll probably hear from George McCaskey still at the owners' meetings. I and hope we do. Yeah. maybe, you know, one other time here or there throughout the rest of the year. But this is now... What's the point of hiring Kevin Warren to be your team president if you're going to still step in and say, well, I'm doing this part? Sure. Uh, Kevin Warren spoke today. Uh, didn't say a ton, but definitely gave an air of, I've got this under control, which which is different. Uh, at the end of the day, Ryan Poles met with with him and suggested that they keep Matt Eberflus. Uh, uh, Kevin Warren was clear that he's not the one who makes these football decisions. He's there to facilitate and I, I think that's what he did in this case you're looking at me uh you're right but you know technically you're right, right. but ryan pulse doesn't get to make bad moves that his boss thinks are foolish mm-hmm. so you know there's kevin warren plays a role in that as well um i think that the the most influential person on their success is going to be their quarterback. Mm-hmm. And so far, I think that's been true. I think that Justin Fields' limitations have been a big influence on... They were a big influence on going 7-9 and nine this year. Mm-hmm. I would say, you know, not everything, of course, is Justin Fields' fault. And not sure. not everything about, you know, as the... Not everything would you could say uh, as the quarterback goes, that's how they go. But that's generally true. And Justin Fields probably played like a kind of middle-of-the-road quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. And they were a middle-of-the-road team. Right. And nobody is okay with that, from Kevin Warren to Ryan Poles. What you heard today was something, in both of our minds, that was different from last year. Last year, About the quarterback? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Last year, Ryan Poles said he'd have to be blown away by one of the quarterback prospects to move on from Justin Fields. Today, he said, we're going to consider everything. We will take phone calls on trades. Uh, both for Fields and for the pick. Uh, and we will, in, what do you say, in my mind, we're taking this thing into April. Whether he actually does that is a different issue, but I think that illustrates the fact that he wants to do his due diligence on all these prospects. And, you know, if he was in love with, with Fields, he'd, he probably would have said it, and he didn't. You and I both think, though, let's go back to a few days ago. 
or, or a month ago or whatever, you and I both have thought for a while that they will be drafting a quarterback sure. with the number one pick. Did you come out of today further down the road of thinking that? Did that did today nudge you more toward thinking they will draft a quarterback? Yes, it did. Same. And and it's it's not because of who they kept or didn't keep. It's because of the way Ryan Poles talked about the draft. Yeah. Process. And I don't know if you guys really remember, I don't know how long someone's, you know, retention is or or attention span, or if you follow the Bears, man, I, I get it. It all blends together. It's overwhelming. I completely understand how it all <laughs> yeah. blends together. But this was going on last season, Patrick, the 2022 season, Justin Fields' second season, Ryan Poles' first. As they were careening toward the number one pick, there was a lot of talk in Chicago starting in probably like November right. about let's move on from Fields, mm-hmm. draft a quarterback number one. We didn't think they would do that. And then we had this press conference last year with Ryan Poles talking about Fields versus the number one pick. Same thing. And we both walked out of there thinking even more so they will not draft a quarterback. Right. This is much different. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a situation, I think you just alluded to this, when you're Ryan Poles and you're in a situation where you can, the one thing he can't do today is tip his hand. Sure. Or talk himself into something that then, Talk, talk himself into a corner that's going to look bad later when he goes when he changes his mind. Mm-hmm. You know, if he gets up here and just like remember uh, uh, one of those seasons at the end, Matt Nagy really laid out the case against Mitch Trubisky. Really laid out how Mitch didn't know the offense, how right. Mitch had trouble like publicly. Right. Said these are all the problems, and it was basically like all the problems, mm-hmm. all the things you have to do to be an NFL quarterback. If he had done something like that it would have been a bridge burned and it would be no option later to come back and say, actually, I got this great offer of six first round picks for the number one pick. I'm going to do it and stick with Justin. That'd be pretty hard to come back from. So he can't do anything like that. And he cannot blow his leverage as someone who wants to either trade Justin Fields or trade this pick. I think you have to really pay attention to the way he talks about the situation rather than, what he says about it. What the, It's more about how he says it than what he says because what he says is going to be next to nothing. Right. And how Ryan Poles just talked about the quarterback situation, Fields versus the number one pick, which we would imagine would be Caleb Williams from Southern Cal, it was very much like he was describing two options that he was considering evenly as opposed to last year, hey, so this is my, I'm kind of, my threshold is here for replacing Fields. This sounded much more like a guy who is, he was talking through a lot of hypotheticals, Pat, about, well, if it's a young quarterback coming in next year, right. then this. If we go with this, then we need this kind of offensive coordinator. He was fully entertaining questions about, are you interviewing OC candidates to help Justin Fields or to help you pick the next quarterback? Do you remember when we talked about how San Francisco doesn't like being called San Fran? Do you remember this? Yeah, what did I do? Uh, Southern Cal does not like being called Southern Cal. Oh, that's their name. Yeah. They, okay. They, yeah, they like I didn't U- know that. They like USC. But, yes, you're right. And he, by the way, number one, he doesn't owe anybody an explanation for months if he doesn't want to give one. Number, I disagree with you. Why? He doesn't owe one publicly, but I disagree with Ryan Poles about this idea that you, you can, when you interview candidates to be your offensive coordinator, you can tell them, like, hey, we don't know what we're doing. Right. We don't know what job you're signing up for. I think that would change who's interested in the job. Mm-hmm. And I think it would change the questions that you're well, asking. And the way they explained it was like... I'm not with him on that. The way he and, and Eberflus explained it was like, well, you want a coach who's a great teacher. And when you talk to them, uh, 
you expect them to be able to coach up both kinds of quarterbacks, your guy and the guy you're going to draft. Um, it's very specific. Yeah. These are very specific tasks. I, right. I'm sorry to derail you here, but like since you brought this up, it, they're very specific tasks. Right. Come fix Justin Fields, mm-hmm. who has played three years right, and will now be learning his fourth offense, third offense, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah here or somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Third and four years. He's three years in. Mm-hmm. Come change what he his trajectory from what everyone has gotten him to so far and what he's gotten to so far, or you are now part of this like this brain trust mm-hmm. that is picking the next franchise quarterback of the Chicago Bears, and then after that you are the coach. You right. are the one who gets your hands on Caleb Williams and gets to shape him into you know a viable and hopefully excellent. NFL quarterback. Those are such different jobs. I think you're talking to totally different candidates. I think you're asking totally different questions. I think that there's no way maybe they'll do it. Maybe Ryan Poles is telling you the truth, but I don't think it's very sensible for them to go into these interviews without being able to tell these candidates, here's the job that we're really looking for you to come do. Now you're right in the sense of he doesn't have to tell us or the rest of the league a thing until, like he said, he's going to take it until April. But to your point though, if you hire a guy because if you hire Caleb Williams quarterbacks coach from USC, Cliff Kingsbury, what happens if somebody offers you six first round picks for the number one pick in a month? Are you pot committed with the offensive coordinator you've hired? Or do you need to pick a coordinator who can go either way with you? I mean, one of the things that Polls brought up today that I think's a good point is the draft board looks different in April than it does today. And he didn't say his name, but a couple of us did. Jalen Carter at this time last year was the number one pick. Jalen Carter then got himself in some trouble and wound up uh, not being good enough to be the Bears' number nine pick. Ten pick? Nine. Nine. Um, there, there are things that can happen that the Bears would be wise to stay, uh, to, to stay fluid, to stay mobile, to, yeah. stay, to be able to pivot if they wanted to. His exact quote was those mock drafts change. Yeah. I think his board, I mean, obviously things change. Right. And you'll have a bunch of quarterbacks doing workouts and combines and, and evaluations and film breakdowns of every snap that these guys have taken. Uh, Drake May, who's the Michigan quarterback again? Uh, oh JJ my, something, JJ, JJ McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, is he in the draft or no? Not yet. Okay. Could be. I would say while that's true, Ryan Poles also has enough information. Sure. Ryan Poles has been scouting these guys in person, let alone has actual scouts mm-hmm. breaking down their film. And he has plenty, surely seen enough of Justin Fields to have an opinion on him. So I think there is enough there for them to convey their plans to coordinator candidates. Now, you can change your mind. Mm-hmm. But I think you need to have a vision of where you're going with that right now. Is this a good job? Which one? The coordinator job. The o- offensive coordinator yes. job? Yes. It's a good job if you're drafting a quarterback. Okay. I don't think it's a good job when Matt Eberflus is in a win-or-get-fired season in 2024 and you have to try to, you know, do with Justin Fields what a couple others have failed to do so far. Mm-hmm. And that's not to say that uh, Justin Fields is this just unfixable wreck because I would think that Justin Fields is going to have a good NFL career somewhere. I don't know that he's going to have a great NFL career. Um if- does it become – if you end up with Justin Fields, it will be because you've traded that pick for a thousand things. For a lot, yeah. If, if, is Justin Fields plus Marvin Harrison plus 
stuff. Does that make it? I mean, it's still a pretty good job there, right? Or, or are you just tied to the quarterback one way or the other? Well, what's I? I think then even if, but if Justin Fields is still just kind of a a mid level quarterback, right? And you get to the end of next season, you say, okay, we were good, we won ten games, but we weren't great. Right. We weren't really a contender. Then you're looking at a lot of changes, and if you're an offensive coordinator who just signed up for that job, uh, you know I, you're not gonna you're not gonna want to be in that situation. Also, you know what's a better job than offensive coordinator of the Bears? Head coach anywhere, <laughs> and the very best offensive coordinators are going to be candidates for those jobs. Sure. So and- that's a hard. That's another problem they're in with keeping Eberflus. Is it limits the offensive mind that you can hire. It's it, it'll be interesting because for as much as they talk about continuity and about how they wanted continuity, your most of your offensive staff is going to be gone. Uh, the only two people they're keeping for sure, or the only two people they're keeping on the offensive side are Chris Morgan and Jim Dre, the tight ends coach. Yeah, and Eberflus said he will insist that those guys stay. So the new offensive coordinator is not hiring for those positions. And then on the defensive side, if they bring in a defensive coordinator, he'll be new, but the other coaches won't be. You know, you subtract Allen Williams, you subtract uh, David Walker. There, This isn't st- – it's stable from the standpoint of your GM and your coach are the same. Almost everything else in the coaching and administration has changed at least a little bit since you got here. Mm-hmm. Did you buy their explanation that uh, if you feel like you're heading in the right direction, don't turn around too early? I mean, that was uh, the Kevin Warren speech, wasn't it? The Kevin Warren speech was a lot of things, so I'm not sure if I remember <laughs> that exact line. Uh, but he said he was extremely impatient. He said that sitting here doing a year-end press conference while other teams are practicing for the playoffs uh, hurt his soul. Mm-hmm. But he also said the Bears are on the right track. Right. They're headed the right way. You know, you can make adjustments, and they can be big adjustments. Sure. I like. I would sit here and say they are on the right track with Ryan Poles. Mm-hmm. Ryan Poles has made a lot of good decisions and has them in a very good position this offseason. They could have fired Matt Eberflus and brought in a new coach, and they'd still kind of be on the right track with Ryan Poles. Right. I don't know whether they felt the defense would fall off in that instance or just not be as good as, yeah. as it appears to be. Uh, I mean, the big news of the day, and I realize we're backing into this a little bit, but it's been six hours or eight hours since it happened, is Eberflus stays, Luke Getze, and most of the (laughs) offensive staff goes. I feel like that was a month ago. (laughs) Um, It happened today as we record this. This is not – this is probably the outcome you and I each would have bet on, right? I'm not – This is the most likely, yep. Do you have a problem with it? Yes. Okay. I, if I was in Ryan Pohl's position, A, I would not have hired Matt Eberflus. Okay. I would have hired an offensive-minded coach. Mm-hmm. And B, I would have sat here right now in January of 2024 and said, we can do better. Okay. We, the, even if I like the job that Matt Eberflus has done, when the Bears went, I think, five and three, second half of the season, something like that. Yep. He got his side of the ball going well. Um, the players seemed to like him. I would have still said there. He is not going to. Uh, he's not going to measure up to some of the alternatives that we have. What about you? Wonder, you? What you about you? There's. I think I'm more okay with it than you are, 
Um, I'm okay with it. I'm just not in love with it. I I think that pairing your offensive coaches with your quarterback is the lesson that they should have learned twice in this building in the last eight years, and and they didn't. Uh, I think that I think that allowing Eberflus to stay means that Eberflus, I presume, had a good idea when they sat there and said, how are you going to fix this offense? Because make no mistake, we talk about holistic meetings about the state of the franchise in the last two days. The big question I'm sure everybody in this building had for him is, what are you going to do about this offense? You know, in the last two years, best running offense in football, worst passing offense in football. That's really hard to do. It's really hard to be such a threat in the run and still be horrible in the past. You can sit there and say Justin Fields didn't develop to the level that we thought he was going to. You tried to make Justin Fields into a passer at the start of the year. It was so horribly that he called out his coordinator in week three and um, and then resu- and then kind of resorted back to the stuff that he was good at last year, which was you know, running and being mobile. This time maybe he's looking downfield a little more. That's not the development that they needed. So when they looked at Matt Eberflus yesterday and said, so what are you going to do about this? I'm sure Eberflus has a plan. I'm sure he has a list of names. Um, In a sense, my judgment on whether it was smart to keep him is going to be swayed one way or the other by who they bring in as the offensive coordinator. If they produce a good guy, you can sit there and go, you've got the defense taken care of. You've got a long runway with a new quarterback because you're going to hold everybody to 18 points a game. Like, you can sell me on that. Yeah. But if they bring in just some dude, if they bring in Bill Lazor, as much as I love Bill Lazor. Did you love Bill Lazor? I loved Bill Lazor. I loved listening to him talk because he, he was, was okay. He, he was, was long-winded, nice. but he was charming. Nice guy. Um, if they bring in the equivalent of Bill Lazor, I'm going to yeah. have questions. <laughs> um, I think I really don't like the argument in favor of Matt Eberflus that he really got the defense going because that is like kind of a bare minimum expectation of a head coach that he at least is good in his specialty. That is not enough in a lot of cases to keep your job. It only looks good here because two years earlier, Matt Nagy couldn't even say that. Right, but they pointed to in the second half of the season, I don't think any team in the league gave up fewer yards than the Bears did. They were an elite defense. Yeah, I mean, this isn't second, a, he got the defense season, yes. okay. It, uh-huh. This isn't a, he got it to an okay level. But this we've is, we've asked him about this since the literally the day he got introduced, Pet, right. uh, about the idea that, because I think I wasn't the only one who was skeptical of the idea of hiring a defensive-minded head coach. Right. And now having to change out offensive coordinators every two years because mm-hmm. things are either going so bad that you have to fire Luke Getze or they're going so well that coordinator TBD leaves mm-hmm. for a head coaching job. Um. A defensive-minded coach can get fired for the offense being bad. And yeah. Matt Eberflus being able to say, "Oh, hey, I got the defense rolling, it, that is only impressive because the last head coach here couldn't say that. Right. At least it's a little more of an argument. But that is kind of the bare minimum expectation. Here's a, a very, very revealing quote that I caught uh, on my second run through the press conferences today from Ryan Pulse. He was talking about his involvement in now hiring the offensive coordinator and offensive assistants Mm -hmm. and basically said that it's difficult to be super involved in that two years ago 
because there's just a lot going on really fast. Coaches are interviewing all over. You got to get your guy. Yeah. Luke Etsy was interviewing for a head coaching job, I believe, that same year. In, De- in Denver, yes. And he said he, Matt and I just met, essentially, is what uh-huh. he said. Yeah. Problem. Yeah. And oh, that's, a major, that's another reason why I wouldn't have hired Matt Eberflus in the first place, because I didn't like the whole setup of the appearance, at least, that you're being handed here, Ryan. These are the three candidates. Pick one. We like these guys. And, and he, has, he has denied that. Ryan Poles has staunchly denied that he was forced into... And he said that the team told him he could go talk to anybody he wanted. But then you could sit there and go, oh, you have the same agent as Matt Eberflus. Yes. I, I wonder if your agent's pushing you. A lot of skepticism there. Ryan Poles, though, uh, very subtly contrasting two years ago versus this situation, it's pretty clear that he's going to be very involved in hiring offensive coaches, whereas he wasn't the last time. I think it. they say it's an attractive job. I think if they throw money at it, and <laughs> if you throw money at it and say congratulations, the Bears, you get, yeah, you get, throwing uh, money at something. They're not as cheap as they used to be. Put that on a T-shirt. Um, I I think they can pay a little bit more, and I think they can offer the temptation of Caleb Williams, and I think they should be able to get someone. I think it's mildly attractive. They can't I, I, offer the temptation of Caleb Williams if they're not really going to do it, Pat. Yeah, yeah. They can't be in these interviews saying, hey, why don't you come here? We might draft Caleb Williams, but we also might keep Justin. <laughs> and if he gets hurt, you got Tyson Bajan. Yeah, Tyson Bajan's like uh, Caleb Williams. Uh, Luke Getze, I don't think either of us were surprised by. Uh, obviously somebody who um, was, I think, very uh, – as a – I feel bad watching him get pilloried by fans because if you know him, he's a he's as normal of a dude as there is around he here. He really is. Great guy, like family man. Nobody's more comfortable being themselves than Luke Getz. Very normal, like you said, like just an average, regular person. And, and but that he, happens all the time in this. I know. There's and always he, players you like, coaches you like, GMs you like, and it, it's not – it's hard. It's right. hard because you like these people, right. but you also know what needs to be done. I like Matt Eberflus. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody you're, – you're, you're looking at me like you don't believe me. I like him. Right. I just don't want him running my football team when there's alternatives available that I like better. I like George McCaskey as well. George McCaskey is your next-door neighbor would be a tremendous achievement for anybody. Um, but there are questions, obviously, about, about all the other stuff. Uh, you know, we asked Eberflus why, and Eberflus said – Offense need to be better. This is, you know, something that uh, I, I don't think it takes a genius to see. Do you think he? Do you think if he had his druthers, he would have kept him? Do you think this was an act of self-preservation? Do you think if there was nobody breathing down his neck, he would have pushed continuity? Because, you know, that's part of their argument today is continuity, uh, even though they're getting rid of all these dudes. I think he would have fired Getz either way based on the the questions really, the heat on the questions really turned up in December mm-hmm. for Matty Flus about Luke Getze. And his answers got more specific. Well, yes. While he had this, while it is easy for him or anyone else to have this default of, well, we'll talk about that after the season. We'll talk about that after the season with either whether it's Fields, Getze or whoever, or his own future. I think that when you, a, when those questions are being asked, that's a symptom of a problem because those questions aren't getting asked other places. Right. Nobody's asking the 49ers if they need to hire a new offensive coordinator. Um, but B, when it's a, if, if the question was that absurd, 
and it was so clear to you that uh, that you and you had so much confidence in Luke Getze, and you could point to all these things that he was doing such a good job at. And the same applies, I think, in the situation with Ryan Poles and Justin Fields right now. If it's such an open and shut case in favor of someone, you can very easily say mm-hmm. that. That's the the elevator pitch on Matt Eberflus is he made the defense uh, into a really good one. The elevator pitch on Ryan Poles is. Uh, he made maybe the greatest trade in the last 10 years in the NFL, and he also traded for Montez Sweat. Montez Sweat's their best player. Mm-hmm. He, um, your elevator pitch for Luke Getze is, please press uh, floor seven while I sit here I and mean, try and think of something. They, like, it's you not, could point to the O-line, but they like the O-line coach. They give him enough credit for that that they're saying the next O.C.'s got to keep him. He's also the run game coordinator. So, so And, you know, their run game's been good. They clearly think the credit... Uh, largely goes to Chris Morgan for that. I wanted to ask you real quick. But, about but if you but if you go back to the way Eberflus was talking about Getze, you're right. He was voicing some complaints. Yeah. Uh, carefully mm-hmm. saying, "Hey, we should throw the ball downfield more." It's like, well, yeah, aren't you that guy's boss? And he, the way that he talked about Getze as far as whether he'd be back, continued to be, "We'll evaluate that at the end of the season." Mm-hmm. The way Eberflus talked about his own future, mm-hmm. I don't think it was a, a sure thing that he was going to be brought back. But he did keep saying uh, this line of, I look forward to those meetings. Right. And he did at times go into campaign mode a little bit mm-hmm. about his accomplishments as head coach. So it was, in that way, it was no surprise because, and, and in that way, I'm sorry, your original question was, do I think Eberflus would have done this independent of whatever Ryan Poles and Kevin Warren and anyone else told him? Yeah, I think, I think, I, I think he would have because he certainly sounded like he was trending that direction. It's 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 hard to see. It's hard to see them getting markedly better until we know who the coordinator is. I don't know whether you know generic offensive coordinator B is going to be any better than Getzey was. But I'll tell you this: if they end up with a better quarterback, his odds are a lot better. Yeah. And um, real quick uh, before we get out of here, um, Kevin Warren talked about the stadium. Sort of. Sort of. Didn't say a lot other than that Chicago was a great metropolitan city. One that has, I believe he mentions food and paintings. At Called the greatest city in the world. Well, and, and who who among us would yeah, argue Yeah, careful that? there, uh, interloper. But, um... You. By the way, I've lived here 10 years. Doesn't, that's... Yeah, even, I know, I realize that... Not I, even close. I got 50 years Not ago. even close. Um... Is this just him flirting to try and get the property taxes at Arlington Heights to come down? Yes. Do you think so? Yeah. It, it, it still seems obvious to all of us that right. they own this gigantic, perfectly placed, perfectly shaped for their perfectly. When I say perfectly placed, I mean for their customer base, for their season right. ticket holders, uh, property in Arlington Heights. That is a blank canvas. Yeah. There is no Lake Michigan to try to fit around or, uh, you know, historical buildings or anything like that. Which are part, of, which is part of the charm, part of the great landscape you'd have playing downtown Chicago like they do right now, but but if you're going to be downtown Chicago like that, I mean it has to still be a great stadium, and they're not in a great stadium right now, right. and that kind of, you know, discounts a lot of the upside of playing in Chicago, but anyway, it has looked so long like Arlington Heights is just this obvious choice for them. They right. own the property. Right. It's everything. It checks every box for them, and so I still think that's the case. 
But when he was asked, is that still the goal? Which was a line they'd said for a while. Mm -hmm. For for a while in the purchase process, they were required to say that's the only thing. And then even after that, they continued to say that was the only thing they were focused on. June when that kind of turned a little bit? And they did keep saying after that deadline, after that uh, expired or whatever, that it was still about Arlington Heights, Arlington Heights, Arlington Heights. And now they're not saying that. I still think that's the case. When Kevin Warren was asked directly about that, he said, no, the goal... He, didn't, he was asked if the goal is still Arlington Heights, the priority is still Arlington Heights. He said the priority is delivering a world-class stadium. That's a non-answer, Jason. Exactly. I'm, so he's still hedging, and he's still talking up the idea of... The only one that could be serious, the only alternative that could be serious would have to be Chicago. Yeah, I mean... This isn't going in Naperville or Waukegan or something. No, and, you know, the, the land that they play their games on now at Soldier Field, we've been to every stadium, more or less. It's the greatest piece of land any team has a stadium on. Yeah, it's beautiful. You're probably right. It's yeah. gorgeous. It's it's unique. You you can be no in no other city in the world but Chicago as you're standing there. I think it, you're right. They don't own it. They can never own it. That's the problem here. And that if we want to talk about what's closest to art museums and great restaurants, which is kind of what Kevin Warren was talking about, you'd obviously put it on the lakefront. But if the Bears, you know, have to rent, you know, the Bears aren't in the business of being renters anymore. And because of that, I don't see a solution to where they could own a piece of land uh, in a city park. And uh, that's, I think that's a big problem. The other takeaway I had from Kevin Warren is it has felt to me like we've, like the Bears have been losing a lot of time on this. Mm -hmm. And Kevin Warren said, when you're doing construction and real estate, time is money because it just keeps going up. Every, the cost of everything just keeps going up. You really want to move as, as quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. For financial reasons, but I want to say, Pat, we started. To, we this all kind of began in the spring of 2021. Right? Is that right? I think Matt Nagy uh, was still the coach when this was going on. When yeah. This started. Right. Yeah, something like that. So we're coming up now on three years since the whole idea started, and not a thing has happened, um, as far as constructing, as far as right. building. And Kevin Warren is saying today his timeline is that this stadium opens 36 months after the first shovel hits dirt. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're talking like if it, we're talking if that ha- doesn't happen in the next six months or so. Mm-hmm. Now we're talking about the earliest season they're playing in a new stadium is 2028. That's so far down the road, man. Like Justin Fields, Jason, I prefer to live in the moment. I do. I do not want to think that far ahead. But yeah, you're right. It's. I think. I think you know. I don't. I don't. I've never done a. Uh, what is it? Half a billion dollar deal for that land, or land acquisition, and, and the two billion it's going to cost to build a stadium. But I mean, if that, if they had been able to break ground a year after they decided they wanted to do that, right? You'd be talking about a stadium opening for not this coming season, but the one after. I do feel bad for Kevin Warren. He gets hired after they've, you know, figured out this land deal, and is essentially told, "Here you go. Here's our piece of land." And then when the property taxes are too high, which, by the way, is the greatest Chicago reason to do anything ever, mm-hmm. is property taxes are too high. Going to move to Tennessee. He needs to, yeah, he needs to manufacture leverage. And I guess we'll see whether or not the city is manufactured leverage or real leverage uh, coming up. Jason, there's so much more to talk about, but uh, quite frankly, we got writing to do and uh, we got some thinking to do about what we heard today. We will be back at some point uh, as the offensive coordinator search rolls on. Uh, until then, you can follow Mark Potash, Jason Leisure, and myself on social media. Check us out on the Sun-Times website and in print. He's Jason. I'm Pat. Thanks so much for listening. We will be back again real soon. 
Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.